Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello, guys and girls. The program you are about to hear will be both fun and educational, but it is not a substitute for medical advice. Although we are doctors, we are not your doctors. Hello and welcome to Travel Medicine. As always, I'm your friendly neighborhood internal medicine doc, Dr. J. Hey guys, this is Dr. Santosh talking to you from the beautiful outdoors in Glendale. Your neighborhood friendly pediatrician, pediatric infectious disease doctor, and researcher. The Good. birds in the trees seem to whisper Louise. Da, 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 da. You know that song? Oh. I know, I, I know the tune. I actually don't know the words. Oh. Yeah, well, yeah. I grew up about a hundred years too late for most of my <laughs> interests, so I have that Benjamin Button disease. <laughs> Santosh, this is our penultimate episode. Yes. And our final journal club of the season. You guys and girls and radio people, we have made it two full seasons since we started <laughs> this thing and approaching 100 episodes. I am very excited. To everybody out there who's listening, and Josh, you have to leave this in. You cannot edit this out. Dr. Josh has been the helmsman, the captain for this. Aside from thanking all of our listeners, we should all give a hand. I can hear you clapping from the other side of your podcast devices for Dr. Josh and his persistence in keeping us together and, and creating a beautiful podcast. Come on. Oh, thanks. That's going to be really nice when I edit it out. Yeah. <laughs> this is, yeah. as I noted, our penultimate episode. It is the last journal club of the season. Yay! Ooh. And kind of all. Don't worry. We'll be looking up lots of new articles over our break, and we'll be back in October in time to do Halloween episodes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but... That said, we have a couple of really fun 
things that I read up on this week and that we all got a chance to research. And Santosh and I were digging around (laughs) for research articles to present to you guys. And we wanted to know what would be the best pick to Uh to really represent the maturity and enjoyment we have in providing this information to you. And, well, nobody knows exactly how we first learned this. Yeah. (laughs) But I've been sniffing around. Folks, we found a brand new antibiotic hiding in the human nose. Yes, it was under our noses the whole time. Oh, I can't believe I missed that one. You missed that one. You missed that one. <laughs> can I can I run with this one? Because I got yeah, the fun no, of take, today. Take yeah. it away. <laughs> if you've been listening to our journal clubs, you know that one of the most exciting articles that we'd given you for a while was finding antibiotics produced by little microbes growing in the soil. And so we know that these antimicrobial molecules, these things that just are secreted by other bacteria, which are not necessarily harmful to us, are, are they're made all the time and they're just out there to be found if we can get it and purify it. But it turns out that right there, up our nose, we have, of course, many, many different types of bacteria living up there. A lot of what we call commensal bacteria. They live, they grow, they eat some of the stuff that we don't want, like specks of dust and carbon. And it turns out that one of these guys, which is a Staphylococcus, just like your friend MRSA, which is Staphylococcus aureus, but this Staphylococcus, which is of the species Lugdunensis, produces a little molecule that fights off its cousin Staphylococcus, Staph aureus, just right there in your nose. And the way these researchers found it, which is, it it comes to us from all the way across the pond in Tübingen in Germany. I love saying that because I'm sure I'm saying that all wrong. Uh, Zipperer et al. in the journal Nature published a beautiful article on how if you have a good amount of staph lugdunensis in your nose, then your carriage or just the amount of MRSA, MRSA, that you carry is lowered quite a bit. So they did a little more digging <laughs> and they, <laughs> they actually found the chemical reason behind this and that, that staph lugdunensis produces a molecule that acts as an antibiotic that doesn't kill it but kills MRSA or suppresses MRSA. And of course, because our friend staph lugdunensis made it, they decided to call this molecule lugdunin. Lugdunin is based off a region in Gaul, France. It is, yes. Uh, and that's where Lugdunensis came from. Uh, so the species was named after the part of France, and because Lugdunensis makes it, we now call the molecule Lugdunin. So this is the very beginning, just like we had with the soil bacteria producing this molecule called Teichobacter. Please go back and listen, if you haven't already. And this is the very beginning of antibiotic discovery. And so now we have to investigate whether we can use this uh, on humans, if we can purify it, if we can give it to people without inducing toxicity and those kind of things. So. But don't you worry, we have a whole generation of toddler scientists hard at work on the problem, (laughs) searching for new 
searching for new bacteria <laughs> and new antibiotics in places that many toddlers have gone before. <laughs> And uh, Josh, don't you know that you know, like Kleenex is going to get behind this, you know, in a, in a hurry. It's like, I just hope they don't blow it. <laughs> <laughs> New Lugdenin brought to you by Kleenex. You know, just yeah, uh, blow your nose and inject it into your blood. Boom, sepsis gone. <laughs> don't inject your boogers into your bloodstream. We finally found the union between science and religion. We, Every time you sneeze and create more antibacterial, <laughs> you can say bless, bless you. This is bless you. You're, you're blessing the people around you. Don't sneeze on people. <laughs> don't. <laughs> to all of our listeners, don't go sneezing on people. <laughs> But, I mean, it is fantastic. It's always good when we find a new antibiotic or source of antibiotics. And the really important thing is, as you mentioned, Santosh, this is the first one to come directly from the human body as opposed to some kind of plant matter or soil, which is traditional means of locating them. It is. It's it's really, really cool. And um, (laughs) the next, I'm I'm certain that we're going to be talking about <clears throat> stool now, stool bacteria. <laughs> now, did you mention that part of what makes Lugdunin so exciting is that it works equally effectively as a topical agent as well as an ingested agent? It, it, <laughs> I I did not mention that, but thank you for mentioning that. Uh, please don't wipe your boogers on your skin. Oh. I'm, dude, I'm totally not being facetious. When yeah. they tested it on mice, yes. it was tested on mice with a skin infection. Yes, that's true. And it works as a topical agent. But yes, no, I'm yeah. not saying <laughs> boogers on sleeve and skin. It is. No, no. Um, what the, This is when they p- actually purified the molecule and and just put it just like how you would put uh, Bactroban or something like that on your skin. This was just as uh, as useful to take this molecule and put it in like an ointment form and kill the skin infection on these experimental mice. So mice model, mouse model is still quite far away from a real human trial, but everything right now looks really promising. The wonderful thing about these is that for the most part, humans have been growing these bacteria in these noses and harboring these secreted molecules for a long time. And, you know, that portends low toxicity. So we're already starting with something that more than likely the human body can tolerate just fine, at least on the surface. So like on the skin and mucosal surfaces. Turns out that, you know, there's some beautiful studies out there that show that kids who actually pick and then eat their boogers have lower incidences in some cases of things like allergies or atopic syndromes, meaning things that have to do with allergies. So it may be possible <laughs> that this molecule, along with some of our other nice bacteria, were at work. Drivers of the world, small children of the world, <laughs> keep up your research efforts. Yeah, yeah. Science please. will thank you for it. Especially scientists in Germany. Between that and my horrible impression of helmet, I'm going to get so much hate mail. <laughs> If you guys have not had a chance to hear Santosh portray Helmet in our now-completed first attempt at a space drama, do yourself a favor. (laughs) Go back, 
and listen to the finest German engineer you could ever hope to meet. (laughs) You got to delete that. And spoiler alert, he may return in future future dramas. Oh, (laughs) that's so sweet. That's kind of you to say. That's really sweet. So, (laughs) but yeah, for for my own ego, go listen to Helmet, an Indian man portraying a German. Sure, why not? <laughs> so thank you, Smithsonian Magazine yeah. and ResearchGate. Um, but, <laughs> and nature, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but moving on to our next story, you know, Santosh, one of the great things about social media is how effectively it connects people and spreads messages, um, usually to help you find like-minded individuals right. mm-hmm. so you can debate the finer points of politics yes. or share the latest cat video or dancing flamingo or Pokestops or, or, yeah. or help to name research vessels. Yeah, <laughs> this but, is true. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. But normally the Internet is not very well known for actually producing anything along the lines of results, at least not from social media. Mm-hmm. Well, that's actually started to change. Do you recall the ice bucket challenge way back in 2014? Yeah, I I was actually challenged by a dear friend of mine, and I had some thoughts that like, oh, maybe I'll participate in this. We were in the, the thick of our drought at the time, as you remember, Josh. And we were just in a, you know, absolute horrible this is the biggest waste of water a lot of us here in southern california and middle california were just shaking our heads going what the heck is going on here if you want to donate some money donate some money stop being like this you know Um, so for those of you who have uh listening to this so far into the future yeah that you can't possibly recall the ice bucket challenge was Basically, to raise awareness and money for amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, mm-hmm. also called ALS, yep. also called Lou Gehrig's disease. Yeah, people were challenged to either donate money or dump a bucket of ice water over their heads. <laughs> the theory being that, oh well, you don't want to undergo this terrible punishment, so you'll give money. When in fact, it mostly ended up being a bunch of celebrities saying, "Look." Cold water. <laughs> so it was derided. It was derided as slacktivism and thought that ugh, nobody's going to change this. Just like you're not going to change anything with awareness campaigns. Right. Well, not so fast because <laughs> the money raised from the ice bucket challenge has directly contributed to advancements in the research. So Santosh, why don't you tell us about yeah, it? Yeah, so go to Nature Genetics to, to find this one, and this is yet another Nature Journal. And this is a wonderful group of people who are at UMass. They're at the University of Massachusetts School of Medicine. And they actually received a lot of the funding that came from the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. And uh, what are we looking at here? Like $115 million dollars? In 30 days, a total of $220 million. This was just a, a wonderful effort on everybody's part. And what these researchers did out there is they looked for genetic associations between people ha- who have something called familial ALS, which means that 
amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, ALS, runs in their family. It's genetic. These people were at higher risk because they had moms, dads, aunts, uncles, and then perhaps they also got ALS. So these guys did massive genetic screen. They compared it to a bunch of people who were called controls. They did not have ALS, nor did they have relatives who had ALS. And they actually found a gene called NEK1, which can be mutated. And this mutant variety is responsible, it, it appears, to significantly raise the risk for the appearance or the emergence of ALS in a person. And NEK1, for those of you who really want to nerd out, this is a gene that has intracellular functions, so the formation of cilia, perhaps, DNA damage response, um, the stability of microtubules, which is really important for cell division, and more, most importantly for ALS, the shape of the neuron and what's called axonal polarity, which means making sure that the neurons run in the right direction every time from top to bottom and not the other way, which can literally short-circuit your nervous system. So they found a new gene which really show, shed some insight into the reasons why ALS had happens, perhaps. And now we can actually work on, wow, can you correct this genetic defect? Is correcting this genetic defect actually reverse or stop ALS? So on a disease where, Josh, we, we really didn't have any foothold on this. Like if someone came to you and you diagnosed ALS, it was just, sorry, there's nothing we can do. Well, you you can slow the disease. You can, it is incurable. Right. I, I yeah. hesitate to say there's nothing that we can do. That's true. We have come a small way, but there there's nothing to say that you can reverse what's ultimately going to happen to this person. Yeah. And before we get too excited, I, I hate being a Debbie Downer, but, no, that's okay. but wah, neck wah. one, <laughs> but neck one is only, the gene that was discovered is only associated with about 3% of all ALS diagnoses. Right, right. So this is, we're not looking at any kind of rapid cure, but we are looking at what could be started, the start of targeted therapy. And given that around 5,600 people a year are found to be diagnosed with ALS, the ability to treat the NEC1 gene could change the lives of around 168 people every single year, which is, as Santosh said, a pretty good foothold. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the start of something because what we were doing before for people was really symptom control. I think the important take-home lesson here is is less about the number of people that will be affected by ALS and that the idea that contributing to science even if it's just through a social media campaign yeah, yeah. <laughs> really does work your your tax dollars your donated dollars yeah are making real time changes in the world of medicine that you can see so the next time somebody puts up a facebook post about a treatment or raising awareness or a political movement or any of those and you share it and you say, well, this does nothing. It, it does have an effect. Now, granted, going out into the world and actually actively working on behalf of your cause is going to accomplish much more, much faster. Right. But the Internet, you know, is still a viable way. 
Yeah, and I I think this is a wonderful message, Josh, that, you know, especially right now, there's so much, like, madness and vitriol going across the Internet. Here in the United States, it's, oh, I hate Trump or I hate Hillary or whatever the hell it is. But, you know, we've got one anti-science candidate in Mr. Orange Hair, and uh, (laughs) we, we have the opportunity, on the other hand, of a whole citizenry really being involved in the process of discovery um, and taking part. And Now, if you're not sure where to donate your money, but you'd still really like to make a difference for somebody, I would like to take this time to mention that we do have a Patreon page. <laughs> we do, we do. And right now, you know, we are, you know, Dr. Josh has an amazing amount of archived uh, you know, travel medicine podcast, just content. And if you would like to donate and hear some of our wacky behind the scenes, unedited, raw, uncensored stuff, then please, you know, give us what you can and, and we will get you some fun stuff. We do have a number of different rewards which are being added to as we think of more things. Every little bit helps. We will take any amount from you. There is no amount of money that is insulting to us. <laughs> we really, we, we will not get insulted. Can we move on to the next story? <laughs> next story. So uh, this is actually another follow-up story that we've reported on before. Now, Santos, do you recall when I talked about mosquito factories? Yeah, this was uh, this was highlighted by us as well as Radiolab, and this is one way to try to get rid of a mosquito transmissible virus or parasite or bacteria is to actually get to the vector, which is the mosquito, uh, rather than the actual offending bacteria, virus, or parasite. So these were huge farms that uh, primarily in places like Brazil, Australia, where they are, and the Caribbean and the Caribbean, sorry, where they're wrangling up populations of mosquitoes, messing with them in order to curtail the transmission of particular diseases. Now, to provide a little more detail than we have on this in the past, again, they are only rounding up male mosquitoes. Female mosquitoes do all the biting. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's true. So what they do is they breed a bunch of male mosquitoes that are given a gene modification called RIDDLE, mm-hmm. R-I-D-L, which stands for Release of Insects Carrying a Dominant Lethal Gene. So it's been applied in the past to fruit flies, to olive flies, to moths, and now it's being used on mosquitoes that when the mosquitoes reach maturity, they will die or they'll die young unless they receive a substance called tetracycline, which we use as an antibiotic. Right. As long as the mosquitoes have tetracycline, they live, but if you take it away from them, they shortly die. So they're basically breeding insects that are drug addicts from birth. (laughs) So the scientists give them a hit release them out into the wild, cruising for, you know, a mosquito good time. Yeah. (laughs) And they breed, and because they've been given a dominant gene, all the offspring of the mosquitoes they breed with, all the offspring end up not having access, not knowing where the lab is, where the dealer is, and they all die. So within usually one or two generations, you have drastically reduced the mosquito population and with it all the diseases 
they carry. Right. And, and, and this is a beautiful way to do it. You know, so the tetracycline acts like an on-off switch. You get tetracycline regularly, you live. You don't receive tetracycline, you die. So the off, the, the males will have enough tetracycline circulating throughout their bodies to get out there and breed. So you have to release them in a breeding generation and in a, you know, in, in one big foop, you know, just a, Sat- like mosquito mosquito prom night. Yeah, exactly. So you have to saturate one generation with these males that are going to go and and seek out the females and and kind of drown out the wild type male mosquitoes which are just out there in the wild. And then you have to do You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do that. You, re- you do another release for another generation and another release and another release. And you just, you know, every time that the male females try to lay eggs and any of those mosquitoes try to live, you know, even past a larval stage, they die. You're basically doing a mosquito abortion. So so they go straight down. That also is what I like to call it whenever I smack them against my body. (laughs) They go for the neck and I'm like, I I run my own tiny little mosquito plant parenthood. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) no political message against my parenthood. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah. They, they just, they go straight down and you know, what we have actually found, and this has been difficult to really gauge if we could find a success with this, but in the trials that have been performed by the research companies so far in Brazil, and this is in particular in a little town in the south of Brazil, they have actually reduced the... Are you o- not going to say the name of the town? Oh, God. It's the town of El Dorado, the <laughs> city of gold. Is it the town of El Dorado? It is. It's it's yeah. in the Brazilian state of Sao Paulo. Okay. In yeah. the region Piracicaba, in the city <laughs> called El Dorado. I the, it was the Piracicaba which I was I, I I didn't know whether I'd say right or not, but El Dorado we can definitely say. So uh, the UK-based biotech company Oxitec released these mosquitoes and did their trial, and they dropped the mosquito population in that region and in that town by 90%, 9-0. So that is a beautiful field test. It's a proof of principle. This wasn't a widespread 
test at all by any measure. They stayed within that town and they kind of kept their release within a particular area. And you have to imagine, I mean, those males that are going out there, they can only fly so far. And if they don't meet a, meet a female to mate with, they're going to die anyway. So... I mean, let's face it, fellas, pimping ain't easy, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> so you're you're at a built-in kill switch already. So we have that test, which really went well. They've, their previous trials in the Cayman Islands, um, and that was a 96% drop in Aedes mosquitoes. And then Mandakaru, uh, another place, was they actually dropped 99% of mosquitoes. Panama, 93%. So we're seeing good results. Now, here's the truth about these, and, and this is the difficult part. Uh, imagine these mosquitoes like a cancer, which they are. <laughs> They're horrible, horrible little creatures. If you have 1% left, if you have 0.1% left of the mosquito population, these guys will rebound using this technique alone. So you will have, just like with a population of cancer cells, you have your initial phase of chemotherapy, but then, you know, you've got to do consolidation for a long, long time to just suppress, suppress, suppress until every last cancer cell is gone, not even 0.00001%, because otherwise that little guy is going to explode again into a malignancy, and the same way that a small number of mosquitoes can explode again into a working population. So... I think the big well probably to prevent people from having nightmares about mosquito cancer. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> the scientists have opted to name this project the Friendly Eighties Project. For, yeah, yeah. 80s Friendly Eighties. Being, being the genus of mosquito that we're targeting. A E D. Right, yes. the Eighties Egypti, but it's yeah. pronounced like. You know, we love the 80s. We love the 80s. <laughs> the 80s were quite friendly. <laughs> yeah. So it was a friendly it's, time. It's just like, we're releasing huge waves of mosquitoes into your town, and they're going to self-destruct, but they're going to take out, you know, the disease-spreading mosquitoes, too. We'll call it the Friendly 80s Project. Good <laughs> Marketing. Yeah. I Good think change. That, Good see, that's change. why you always need a marketing team alongside your scientists. You always do. Uh, you know, <laughs> so I, I think this is one beautiful strategy. However, the these modified mosquitoes are not the end-all be-all. And even Oxitec, along with other scientists, have said that this is not the only strategy that you need in order to get rid of a mosquito-borne disease like malaria or dengue, yellow fever, or Zika. So you need to compound this with good, uh, you know, just simple mosquito uh, prevention techniques, which is your using your nets at night and using your DEET and your citronella repellents, and also you know, developing vaccines against the actual diseases. This is a pretty exciting article. Thank you, Entomology Today. Yeah. And I, I just like to make a motion to rename mosquitoes Zika fairies. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I want to just start renaming animals because I've still got a bit of Pokemon fever. Do you, do you have a, a cure for the fever? <laughs> well, it's not more cowbell, I'll oh. tell you that. <laughs> I tried. But, you know, Pokemon are everywhere. 
everywhere. They today. are. And, uh, a lot of these pocket monsters have cute <laughs> little names. And you know, here on Travel Medicine, I always like playing little games such as, is this a medical condition or a Harry Potter spell? <laughs> is this a disease or a band name? And we've done this on periodic journal clubs. Well, in the spirit of this, again, being our last journal club of the season, I figured that I would make use of a quiz that Slate put out recently. And Santosh, I'm going to take you through a quiz called Pokemon or <laughs> Cholesterol Medication. All right. And let's remind everybody that I am a licensed physician, double-boarded. So I should know some of these. <laughs> he also grew up in the 90s and is familiar with the basic Pokemon. With the basic Pokemon. <laughs> but those of you at home, play along and let's see how well you do. So off we go. 20 questions, Santosh. Pokemon or cholesterol medication? Number yes. one, Crestor. Crestor? Crestor. Okay, yes. Crestor is an HMG-CoA reductase inhibitor. That's a, that's a cholesterol-lowering medication. Sir, you are correct. Okay. <laughs> According to the Mayo Clinic, Crestor decreases LDLs and triglycerides. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, number two. Yes. Lapras. Lapras is going to be a Pokemon. Once again, correct. Yay. They are a highly endangered species of Pokemon. <laughs> According to the Pokédex, they are said to sing plaintively as it seeks what few others of its kind still remain. <laughs> and by the way, guys, I, I should put out a little shout-out on my science side that Pokemon do not evolve. Pokemon metamorphose. Uh, evolution takes place in populations. Metamorphosis is what happens to Pokemon when they change from individuals change from one form to another, um, given enough nutrients and time. Number three. Yes. Nidoran. Nitor Nidoran. 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 I've never heard of that one before, but I'll uh, let me try cholesterol medicine. Sadly, it is a Pokemon. Oh. They are a small rat-like creature. Okay. <laughs> All right. Number four, Zetia. Zetia is a cholesterol-lowering medication. That is correct. Okay. Vitorin. Vitorin is definitely a cholesterol medication. That's good. Build up your confidence. Yeah. <laughs> Vulpix. Uh, Vulpix? Vulpix. Vulpix, uh, I've never. The, and by the way, guys, we're all we're talking about trade names right now. So, uh, because I, I think it's fairly easy to say that if we were talking about the generic name, this this would be a lot easier. Quiz uh, isn't over yet, Santosh. Uh, <laughs> okay, Vulpix is Pokemon. Yes, Vulpix is a Pokemon. But b before you start getting, before you start getting that confident, yeah. We're only we're only seven questions in. Okay. <laughs> Number seven, Lavaza. Uh, Lavaza, I believe that one's a cholesterol lowering medication. Yes, that is a cholesterol medication. Okay. Like some aquatic Pokemon, it can leave you with a fishy taste in your mouth, but actually, it's an omega three fatty acid. <laughs> nice. Okay. It's good copywriting. I like this. Yeah. <laughs> um, Zubat. Oh, Zubat's a Pokemon. 
Repatha. Uh, Repatha? Repatha. R-E-P-A-T-H-A. Repatha. Uh, um, there's very few ATHs than in the drug world. Um, let's say Pokemon. Swing and a miss. Oh, no. Although, although it is also known by the Pokemon-esque name Evolocumab, Repatha okay. is an injectable medication. Oh, okay. <laughs> the Sepa. Uh, cholesterol medication. It's another omega-3 fatty acid. All yes. right, very nice. Okay. Niacor. Niacor. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, Niacor uh, Pokemon. Cholesterol medication. Oh, that's okay. You were thinking, you were thinking of Nidorina or Nidoran. Yeah, I was. <laughs> All right, all right. Okay. Let's try another one. Okay. Rhydon. R-H-Y-D-O-N. Uh, uh, Rhydon's got to be a Pokemon. Yes. Okay, nice. It's extremely tough Pokemon. Lopid. Lopid is cholesterol-lowering medication. Yes, that is the trade name of Gemfibrosal. Okay, gotcha. Kilava. Uh, <laughs> some of these have got to be out of the country um, <laughs> uh, Pokemon yes okay. Kilava is a prairie dog with a tail made out of fire <laughs> I heard the lava part and I was like please please be Pokemon okay. alright Venonat V-E-N-O-N-A-T could stand for natural could stand for not really a thing. <laughs> V-E-N, okay. Um, Pokemon. Yes. Venonat is an anthropomorphic dust mite weak to psychic damage. Uh, all right. Prevolite. Uh, that one is a Pokemon. That is a cholesterol medication. Oh, nuts. Okay. It's a bile acid binding resin. Oh, oh, oh I know that one. Okay. Our <laughs> nuts. Yeah, so that's that's actually used. It, it It's not absorbed into the bloodstream. It actually absorbs your bile acids right in your gut. So, so that, you thought these were all going to be statins, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Next one. Almost done. Paris. P-A-R-A-S. Paras. Paras. Paris. Yeah, uh, is that one a cholesterol-lowering medication? No, that's a Pokemon. Uh, it's a small crab with a mushroom growing out of its head. Okay. <laughs> See, okay, all right, all right. Siadra. Siadra? S-E-A-D-R-A. Or Cedra, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That one is a bit ungainly to be marketed as a drug. I, I'm going to try for Pokemon with this one. Correct. Yeah. Cedra are poisonous sea dragons. Nice. Livalo. Livalo or Livlo. Um, I believe that one is a cholesterol modulating drug. Yes. Yeah. That is a statin from the Netherlands. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, and Remorade. Remorade is a cholesterol lowering drug. Yeah. Wrong! Really? We're not sure where the aid comes in, but Remorade are a species of Pokemon that look like a fish. Cheapers. <laughs> oh, I Santosh, heard... yeah. your score was 15 out of 20. The no. average score is 17. Uh, oh, that's awful. 
<laughs> That's all right. I only got 16, and I was like, "How the hell is Remoraid a fish and not a drug?" Yeah, that's well, I yeah, yeah, because some of these are kind of brilliant enough to you know, like if you were to turn that into a, a, a drug name, then a bunch of people would buy it just because you know, ask your doctor about you know whatever nonsense. <laughs> so, folks, go and ask your doctor about Remoraid. It will really confuse him or her. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard of that before. Yes. <laughs> See? Not so easy, is it? <laughs> I have a number of friends who are like, I can def. I am a doctor. I know science. I can definitely tell the difference between Pokemon and drugs. And guess what? I have yet to meet anybody who's got 20 out of 20. All right. I will make a plug for this. This is why, A, we should always refer to medications by their generic terms. I think we got all of the ones which are known, FDA-approved, and sold in the United States. How did you do, listening audience? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Send us your scores. Post your scores on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, we'd yeah, love to share, hear share that. your scores to the Facebook page. Yeah, especially if you're not a physician and you want to tell us how you beat the crap out of us. Or if you are a physician and want to confirm, much harder quiz than, than you thought. <laughs> that we'd appreciate the latter a lot more, just for the sake of our egos. So that that brings us to the end of the stories for the week, which means it's time to hop on our little jet plane and travel. Santosh, where is this week's Just the Tip going to take us? Yeah, so let's uh, go on up uh, the Loire River in in the beautiful country of France and go to, as the French pronounce it properly, Rouen, uh, R-O-U-E-N, or Rouen, or Rouen, or Rouen, if you, uh, you know, you want to put it that way. So this was one of the stops that I had all the way back in high school uh, when I was a wee lad and we actually traveled to all these beautiful sites away from Paris so that we could see what the whole country was about. And we did miss a couple of parts like the um, the beautiful French Riviera down by the Mediterranean. But Rouen is in Upper Normandy and its most, I think the biggest claim to fame is that when Joan of Arc was in there fighting, um, you know, she was captured and, and called a witch and a heretic and all these kind of things in the 1500s. She was burned at the stake here <laughs> and uh, precisely 1431. And so this was how witches were dealt with at the time. And uh, now, you know, of course, in, in the Catholic canon, she's a saint. Uh, she is celebrated for that. But you actually can walk down these beautiful kind of preserved cobblestone streets turn of the renaissance architecture is still there the old church you know the rouen cathedral and you can go right to the spot uh, there's a big cross there now where joan of arc was martyred and you know, if you just wanted to learn about some of the bloody history in the middle ages of old france um, I think that's a that's a great place to visit. Yeah, I highly suggest uh, taking a tour down the Loire River and uh, go up there to Normandy and take a visit to Rouen. So there you go. There are things to see in France besides Paris. 
Yeah, and uh, I think uh, you, were, did you mention the the Paris catacombs that you actually took those tours in the sewer in the catacombs? Or oh is that no, on no, it's list? on it's on my to do list. I yeah. still have yet to visit France. A lot of Europe is only partially explored by okay. me. All right, um, but so, I do encourage anyone going to check out the catacombs and the sewer tour because. Well, let me tell you, my trip to Paris is going to be a lot different than the average person's and substantially more morbid. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, Dr. Josh loves, of course, as you all know, his history. He loves his, uh, especially his Victorian era history. And he loves his history of technology and medicine and science so he loves going to museums um i think josh you and i have both talked about like the sanitation museum in india and did you say the history of modern surgery or surgical tools yes there's one of the oldest medical history museums in paris yeah so that's uh that's definitely I, i know that's on your list And for any of you interested in also seeing this Museum of the History of Medicine, I have not yet been. I have been to medical history museums in Chicago, Thailand, London, and Spain, and they have yet to disappoint me. (laughs) Um, But the collections have in, the one in Paris has around 1,500 objects, especially strongly weighted towards surgery, but there are some anatomical specimens including trepan pins, which were like uh, wine corkscrews for your skull, and the autopsy tools used (laughs) on Napoleon. Yeah. Uh, And a wood model for an anatomy study with hundreds of of movable parts. (laughs) So, yeah, this is good times. So, this episode, we've learned that you can pick your tours, you can pick your nose, (laughs) but... I'm sorry, I can't let it go. I just have to keep. I have to keep digging. Um, you dig away, my friend. Dig away. Well, that brings to a conclusion our last layover of the season. We do have one final episode, so tune in next week as we wrap up season two of the Travel Medicine Podcast. As always, we love your comments, concerns, and questions. You can reach us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Patreon, if you would like to support us financially along with emotionally and spiritually. All the links are in the show notes. If you're interested in following up on any of the articles we put up or discuss this week, you can find them all on our Facebook page or on our page at Squarespace. If you found us through any kind of podcast subscribing service, please, please, please leave us reviews and ratings. It helps even more people find us. The more popular we are, the better we feel, and the better the show gets. Yes. We uh, we will continue to make the show just better uh, episode by episode. We thank you guys so much for listening, uh, telling telling people about us, and and you know uprating us. So it it means a lot to us. Um, we love our jobs as doctors and researchers and everything else, but this is a real pleasure to be able to share our knowledge with you. And um, yeah, thanks for making it happen. Our theme music is composed by Rachel Leisure. The show is produced by myself and researched by myself, Dr. Santosh, Dr. Warden, 
any and all of the physicians and nurses who have helped to contribute to this show. Um, that said, I think that wraps up all our stuff for the week, and I have an art of lockpicking class to attend, which is totally <laughs> unrelated to my upcoming vacation to Russia's home of Fabergé eggs. Oh, God. <laughs> so, until next time, always leave them on a cliffhanger, Santosh. Uh, yeah. Until next time, guys, as always, happy travels. Bye, guys. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.